Hello, everybody. Duncan Lee here with Bar Chouette and formerly a foreign concept. Uh, since the first day we opened Foreign Concept uh, about eight years ago, we'd always celebrate uh, Chinese New Year's there. Uh, this year, we're a bit saddened to think that we would not be able to celebrate it. But uh, however, for one day only on February the 4th, we're bringing Foreign Concept to Bar Chouette and we're going to be celebrating Chinese New Year's with line dances, a lot of classic hits from Foreign Concept. Uh, we are quite full, but we do have a few seatings left, uh, but they're later seatings. Uh, so, you know, here's a great opportunity to try some foreign concept uh, classic dishes and celebrate Chinese uh, Lunar New Year's and have a good time with us. So if you're interested, a few seats left, uh, late seating. Hope to see you there. Now, if you haven't experienced a dinner by Duncan Lee, you simply must. That's all I got to say. Uh, I wanted to get this announcement in as we're ramping up for Lunar New Year. And I know that February 4th is fast approaching. So uh, as soon as you hear this and you want to go experience this, please go contact Bar Chouette and make your reservations. And yes, he said lion dance, not line dance. So no achy breaky heart. So before uh, we get rolling on this episode, I wanted to make just a few announcements on the events that are coming up for uh, Lunar New Year. And this one is from Friends of Chinatown YYC on Instagram, and they are having a 10-course Chinese dinner on February 16th, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. at Regency Palace. And these are $88, and there's live performance by Guyline Ensemble, and Lion Dance by the Jingwo Cultural Association. Um, recommended dress code, cocktail... Now, recommended dress code, they say, is cocktail attire or something red. Lucky red. So um, be sure to hit up Friends of Chinatown YYC on Instagram and make your reservations for that if you're interested. So I mentioned earlier about Lion Dance. And, of course, Lion Dance is... Uh, and Dragon Dance is a very, of course, integral part of the Lunar New Year celebrations. And there's going to be a few of them coming up. Uh, some right away, actually. So we have in Chinatown, we have February 3rd, a uh, Lion Dance at 12 p.m. Or sorry, a Dragon Dance at 12 p.m. Lion Dance at 1 p.m. February 4th, the Dragon Dance at 12 p.m. February 10th which is the day, Dragon Dance and Lion Dance at 12.15 p.m., and then February 11th, Dragon Dance at 12 p.m. Now, these take place at the Calgary Chinese Cultural Center, so be sure to check those out. Those are all free events, so if you want to go, just show up. So that is from Friends of Chinatown YYC. Thank you for posting those. And if you want to go and follow them, they have a really good series on their Instagram where they eat everywhere in Chinatown. So go check it out. There's like many, many posts here on their profile uh, about them going everywhere. And you can see for yourself and maybe check out a few of them yourself and enjoy the community and support a small business. The Lunar New Year is the single most significant holiday in Asian culture. It's a time to flush out all of that negativity and bad omens from the previous year, clean up the clutter of our lives, and begin a new period of fresh reflection and optimism. 
This year is the year of the dragon, and it holds really great significance in the Chinese culture. It's associated with power, nobility, honor, luck, and success. People born in the year of the dragon are believed to possess courage, tenacity, and intelligence, and are often seen as enthusiastic and confident. In Chinese culture, the dragon is considered an auspicious and extraordinary creature, symbolizing talent and excellence. The year of the dragon is also linked to specific elements, with 2024 being the year of the wood dragon, which is forecasted to bring about opportunities, changes, and challenges. Chefs today live in an exciting time for food. Now, we create and share our culture and cuisine in a way that we never could before. Especially as Asian chefs, we're unbridled in our creativity and often enjoying the luxury of reinterpreting our cultures, flavors, and techniques to reflect either a more modern and contemporary spin, or incorporating worldly flavors and ingredients to further enhance and evolve. Now, it hasn't always been like this, and today we're going to get into all of that.、Um, today, on the special、uh, Lunar New Year episode, I'm going to be talking to a Chinese Canadian family. And over 40 years ago, Hung's Noodle started with a young Ricky Chung, his wife Cindy, his father Yin, and Uncle Norman. And today, Hung's Noodle spans three generations and is an integral part of the community as many home cooks and professional chefs depend on Hung's daily for quality noodles. Now, as we approach Lunar New Year, we're going to learn all about how a Chinese Canadian family business has responded to opportunity, change, and challenges over three generations. My name is Jade El Coro, and you're listening to the Aimless Cook Podcast. How are you? <laughs> how's that? How's everybody? <laughs> so we're with Ricky Chung. Yes. And your daughter Joanne. Joanne. Yeah. So as you know, we're doing our、uh, special episode for Lunar New Year、mm. or Chinese New Year. And、uh, of course, one of the things that I like to talk about is a lot of the symbolic foods that are are a part of Chinese New Year.、Mm-hmm. One of them, of course, is. Noodles, and you've been in the noodle business for over for forty years. So、yes. you just recently celebrated your fortieth anniversary. Yes.、Um, it's actually coming up. It's coming up. Well,、yeah. okay. It depends on how you look at it. All right. Because he started the business originally, like as a test, in like the fall winter of eighty three, and then the test ended up being pretty good. And so he shut that down and found a commercial location、uh-huh. and opened in '84 and then registered the business in '84. Okay. So when people were like, "When's your anniversary?" we're like, "We couldn't pick." So、yeah. we decided to just start <laughs> celebrating in November、uh-huh. and wrap it up by April May. Call, okay. You know?、yeah. mm-hmm. So we don't actually. I don't know. We didn't really land on an official anniversary date. <laughs> yeah. So before you had the.、Uh, The commercial space would it be here? Was the first no, space?、Mm-mm. Oh no! No, no, smaller. Smaller.、Mm-hmm. Smaller. Yeah.、Uh, so、about Thirty Avenue Northeast.、Yeah. Not far away from here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. close by here. That's about nine、uh, hundred square feet. Oh wow!、Uh, on that time, we only do 
small amount. Don't only do the noodles. Five, five, six different types. Mm. Okay. Uh, a couple of wrapper and uh, one non noodle, steamed noodle, thick noodle. That's it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it takes time to develop till today. So you have you you started this? Uh, you started with your father. Uh, Actually, and wife, let's not forget. Yeah, and and your wife, of course, <laughs> Cindy, right? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And Uncle Norman, according to. Uh, Uncle Norman is uh, my fifth uncle. My father is number four. Ah. You know? uh, 1970, my uncle uh, phoned us. Hey, buy a noodle uh, machine for me. They were and still then, living in Hong Kong. Yeah, we're still in Hong Kong. And then uh, I want to make noodles oh. in Canada. So, you know, we bought a noodle machine for him. So one machine. Mm-hmm. One machine, yeah. <laughs> one, one set of machine. Actually, it's, uh, right now you see I have maybe 10 rollers on one production line. Yes. That's only three rollers. No, the rolling. Uh-huh. Two, only two, I'm sorry, only two. One is the bigger one and the, and the other one. So is it a very much like a, a lot smaller than a the ones small, we see? Yeah. So when I see like a lot of Japanese restaurants, a lot of shops may, who make their own noodles in-house, exactly. it's the almost same thing? Almost the same thing, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, almost the same thing. So they're, they're almost like the same, like they have the place to the mix the dough, pour it into a roller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then take it back. Take yeah, it back. you keep taking it back yeah. and go smaller, smaller by smaller. hand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was the so, original machine. Wow. The original machine. So uh, a lot of the new machines are still like that. <laughs> hey? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time, you know. To, you know, we, I have to learn it. So because I never see the machine like that, you know. Even though when I was uh, learning yeah. how to machine, how to make noodles in Hong Kong, they most of the the uh, noodle shop they only. Uh, have almost the same, only two roller machine, just like you know we just talk mm-hmm. small small production. So you know, uh, when I go there, I learn is learn something like that. How to you know do it? And they have uh, a lot of uh, trade. You know how to make the little more, you know, uh, more chewable, mm-hmm. more tender. Like you a, know. elastic. Elastic yeah. is better. You know, they have a, a more trick. And we, learn, we need to learn those things. But uh, originally in Hong Kong, they, there's a, something we won't do it in the modern way to make the ludo. They're using one big bamboo stick. Mm, yes. They put the shit in mm. that and then they jump. And they on jump the with the yeah. leg on? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I've yeah, seen. yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. But a, I think why right, slowly yeah right now in southern China not more than twenty people know how 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 to do that wow yeah because that's a tough job a lot of make, yeah don't make too much money no yeah <laughs> I remember when when we started doing ramen years ago mm-hmm. um, before I called you of course <laughs> <laughs> we made our own as well so wow. uh, the first time I did I used like a Dave Chang recipe. Mm-hmm. from the Momofuku book, and it was a, very much like just water and uh, flour, yes. and then an alkaline some, solution. Some yeah, some kansui. Yeah, kansui. Yeah. And then that was either, like, you can get the liquid now that I've seen that you could see at the store, or uh-huh. at the time there was also a hack that you could just bake 
baking powder. Oh, okay. yes, yeah. yes. To yes. make it like that, right? Yeah. yeah. And then and then we did it this kind of the same way. Like we just yeah. mix the dough, and then I did it in a pasta machine. Uh huh. So a lot of the same, but very small scale. So yeah. I could yeah. only do about twenty two servings at a time mm-hmm. so we would just do like maybe a weekend or a day and then yeah. be sold out <laughs> so i understand and the dough with that sort of thing is very tough as well uh-huh, so uh-huh. if you if you roll it by hand it's very hard to do by yeah. hand yeah so yeah. i can see like with the bamboo mm-hmm. how much weight you need to put on yeah. the dough yeah. because because the requirement of that bamboo is uh, they make the dough very thick yes very very thick for example, right now, uh, one pound of our our uh, rice wrapper in here, we're using the machine. It's about the, the best I can make. The size I have right now, 120 pieces. But using the stick, they can go up to 140 oh. pieces per pound. Oh. So they are, you know, about 8%, 9% thinner mm-hmm. than, you know, what we... What, what we can make. Wow. But they are still really strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you put it in, in, in the water, they, they, they can boil the They'll water hold for up. 20 minutes, still no, no blick. I look it forward to trying those. Yeah. <laughs> be, yeah. Especially with the way you've been yeah. talking about uh-huh. how you reformulated the rice noodle yeah. for sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was wondering if you can um, share the story behind the the noodle business the family noodle business and mm-hmm. it's like journey over the past 40 years mm-hmm. you're like i mean yeah i know you probably yeah, say it's yeah. a long story <laughs> <laughs> but you said yeah uncle so called uncle you Norman, yeah uncle Norman yeah. called the machine yes and then uh somehow my dad sudden my dad never thinking about immigrating to canada mm. but uh because on that time there's some thing you know that make me think it's harder mm. and then they okay have because you know if he if he immigrate five six years earlier maybe i'm not in this business i will come here still going to school mm. <laughs> i don't have a family yeah <laughs> i'm young and i will go to school but you know because because when he put in the application i'm already 20 22 years old Oh. So, you know, I, I will be an independent. Mm-hmm. So they, after my father immigrated here, before he come here, my, my uncle also asked him to learn how to make ludo uh-huh. to help him to do the production. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then, and then he, he, he went to learn it. You know, I have some friends uh, allow him to go in there and uh, work without pay, just learning. Mm. And then, you know, just... You know, buy some some coffee for for yep. uh, seafood. You know, yep. those those master. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then they pass them experience and pass them some of the how what's the ingredient, what's the content of the ingredient, and something like that. Wow. And then and then and then they come here. After they come here, and then, of course they try to, because I'm the only son mm-hmm. of my father and my mom. Mm-hmm. So you know, they try to get me to come in Canada. Yes. But. After school, my I'm not really good in study, so you know after school I I go into uh, uh, you know those uh, big shipping company work as a a, a a clerk you know yeah some something like that and then it 
after it take about six years to do the, the processing for me to come here. Oh. Before I come here, I do I learn two I do two things. One thing is I go to uh, as a mechanic in the uh, in the con uh, container terminal. Mm -hmm. So no, I just learn how to fix the the, the container after they damage mm -hmm. and and half year before I come, I I go to learn one more thing. How to make the noodles? I do the same thing like my father. Uh -huh. Go in there, got no pay. Learn, the, learn, learn. The, learn the skill. Yeah. Watch what they what they, they do, and then I come here. So on the first job, I come here. Of course, not. I'm not working with my uncle. I I'm working in a supermarket. Mm. Uh, on that time, uh, a lot of uh, people know still remember there's a a supermarket called Fus City. Uh, Food City? Uh, Food City, yeah. I think, you know, 19, 1980. Wow. 1980, yeah. So I worked in that store for two and a half years. And then, you know, I learned a lot of things. I learned better English. Mm -hmm. That's the most important. You know, I, I, I want to make living in here. I need to, to know how to communicate with people. I want to, you know, uh, understanding more the skill of, uh, you know, about the food business, you know, how, <laughs> how, how's, how's the people doing that and this and that. What was the selection of, of, of Asian ingredients like back in the 80s? That, I, that, that's, the, that's something I want to tell you coming up. <laughs> and after two and a half years, you know, that night, thinking about if I do business, what can I do? Okay, I can make noodle. My father can make noodle. And also, I found out my uncle have the machine down in the basement, he don't use it, 10 <laughs> years. Why he don't use it? I asked him, he told me, I have a problem. I don't know how to ask the people to give me the right flour, <laughs> to make the right noodle. Yeah. So my father don't know English. My uncle English is not as good as me on that time, uh -huh. you know, I, after two years and a half. So, on that time, I just, you know, tried to make a decision. Okay, mm. let's try it. So what I'm doing every day, I'm finish my job in, uh, in the facility on mm. the uh, superstore uh, on, on the store, yeah. And then go back to my uncle's places, waiting my father, get off his job, my, because my father worked as a cook with my uncle's uh, restaurant. Oh. So you know, two of us, going down there, make the ludo. And then this, this top job, you know, make the ludo from the basement, finish, take the ludo <laughs> one by one, go to upstairs, put in the steamer, steam it up, they put it, take it down. And then, and then my wife sit there, on the, I still remember on that time, my wife have Joanne, still have a baby. Oh. And then she just pack, 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 pack everything up. And then next morning, I just put everything in my big old car yeah. and drive to Chinatown, selling, you know. That's the, how I'm starting. So you just go restaurant to restaurant? Just yes, 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 yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Of course, not, it's hard. Eh? It's a hard oh, yeah. job. It's a hard, hard job. Because, you know, uh, you also at, the time, at that time, we learned, I learned some experience about what did they want. Mm. And also, you know, and then I also uh, tried to find out uh, what type of flower can help me to improve it yes. to that stage. Uh, they want a, a white noodle, they want a stronger, they want a, you know, so different 
So a yeah, little bit about learning both about the recipes, but also learning about what your customers, how to deal yes, with exactly. people. Because yes. in Hong Kong, to start a noodle business, they, they, it's a trade there, mm-hmm. right? It's the long-developed trade. So you open up a shop, you say, I'm looking to make this kind of noodles. There's going to be a distributor that says, you need this, this, and this kind of flour. But when he got here... Flour was used for bread yes. and pasta yes. and, you know, like that. And so he, this guy, walks into a warehouse <laughs> and there's, like, this whole wall of, like, warehouse what full of flour. Want? And they're like, what do you want? And he's just like, well. <laughs> and so even though he has recipes, mm-hmm. there, there was still a huge learning and testing process yeah. to understand how Canadian flour behaved and how he could recreate the texture and experience of an Asian noodle using more localized products, right, that yes. were available here. And I think that's a lot of cases with a lot of, well, even with uh, recipes when you cook foods as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure, yeah, like back in the 80s, we didn't have Guy Lan. No. You didn't have... My grandma grew it herself. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have any of that stuff. So, I mean, you use... That's why we have, like, broccoli mm-hmm. in yes. a lot of Chinese dishes yeah, now, yeah. because it's yeah. just what we have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly uh-huh. It's the same reason behind egg roll wrappers. It's like, just... Yeah. Egg roll, it was like... It was spring roll, but they didn't have the machine or, to like, the, the right ingredients wrapper. to make that proper wrapper. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, like, egg roll wrappers is just, like, I don't know, to me, a very... Canadian yes, Chinese Western, story, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an interesting book that I read a while ago uh, about the about Chinese restaurants in Canada. Mm. It's called Chop Suey Nation. Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And basically the writer goes to all of these different restaurants all across Canada from, you know, Vancouver all the way to Newfoundland. Uh-huh. And there's all she goes into a lot of dishes that are just special to certain regions. Yes. Like sometimes in Quebec, you cannot get like say noodles, so their chow mein has is just cabbage. Oh. And then some like Quebec City, they make actual chow mein with macaroni. <laughs> macaroni, yeah. There's some really neat and yeah odd kinds of dishes, mm-hmm. but it's all about how you know we just took something that was available to try to you know just make it. Yeah. And I mean, at the time then, it wasn't about, you know, like now we have, because of generations like yours, chefs now can say, can, you know, have a restaurant and can make dishes and say, I want to share my culture and showcase my, my, you know, my food and my, my cuisine to before. Whereas in, you know, in the 80s and 70s, even before that, um, it was just a matter of, I just need to make money. I just need to have something to do a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then <laughs> absolutely. And so, and how do we survive, right? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. They won't buy it if I make it this way, but if I made it this way, maybe added more sugar or slurry or whatever. Yes. They will. People will buy this. Let's sell that. <laughs> so all of these wonderful things that we were able to do now is because of folks yeah. like you. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, I still remember one very, very interesting story. Uh, I come here. I have. Uh, I start with some some Chinese fan, and then they told me, uh, Ricky, I, I I went to Vancouver. Uh, I will come back uh, Saturday. They went to Vancouver for a day, and then come back on Monday. Said, so, what are you doing there? Oh, I go to eat wonton noodle. <laughs> Calgary don't have any. 
good one can do, nobody can produce it. And then they need to drive all the way to Vancouver yeah. to have try, you know, get them a good memory of yeah. the taste of the wonton noodle. I think a lot of people still today I, do I, the I same thing. I still travel to eat in <laughs> We go to Richmond or, <laughs> yeah. That is something different, eh? But yeah. at that time, they only really yes. missing the wonton noodle. So, you know, right now uh, in Calgary, we are lucky. We have uh, all kind of... Uh, very traditional. Yes. No, yeah. And we're seeing more regional kind yes. of restaurants yeah. opening too. So mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot more, not just you know Guangzhou or Hong Kong, but uh-huh. we're seeing more like Lanzhou style yeah. noodle yeah. Yes. and yes. Exactly. northern yeah. Xi'an and uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like the Yimin, mm-hmm. in town nobody can make it. Wow. I'm the only one. <laughs> they don't. They don't know how the processing is that. Even though they come in and see, but they don't. They cannot make it right. Mm. So, you know, all those are the craftsmanship. Craftsmanship. Those are the craftsmanship. You know, you need to understanding of what recipe you, you, you are using. Yes. And how you, how you cook them, how long you cook them, and then how, how to, to define, make it the way like that. Yes. And turn out a good product like that, you know. So it's really been mo- like 40 years of just talking and learning, learning. and redoing things over exactly. and over again yes. to yes. make them into what they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a part of my job. Yes. I still need to learn how to use the computer. <laughs> and I find I still like a lot of people in yeah. the food business so, too. It's always learning. There's never stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes, you have to learn. All the time. Are you still changing like recipes you thought Ex- were done? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just like just like today, some of my uh, 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 recipe is already put in some of the uh, uh, spaghetti uh, uh, type of flour yes. to ma- mix and match, pick the product better. I thought we were not sharing trade secrets. <laughs> Dad, we talked about this. <laughs> That's trade secret, remember? <laughs> <We're not> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in the time that you've had to talk to all of these restaurants, mm-hmm. have you gained like really long-time relationships with a lot of them? Uh, most of them. Yes? Most of them. So, you know, right now, uh, most, right now most of them are already retired. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's 40 true. 40 years, you know, a lot, not much restaurant they can last for 40 years eh? I've been I've been wanting to do an episode just on Chinatown and uh-huh. and you know Chinese businesses yeah. mm-hmm. and as of lately uh-huh. I've been seeing a lot of places that I really love are uh-huh. closing because of retire like yeah. Chung Fat is mm-hmm. recently closed mm-hmm. Diamond Bakery closed yeah. Yeah. Uh, Golden Inn was a yeah. big yeah. one yeah. Silver Inn yeah. Yeah. these are probably guys you probably yeah. sold to <laughs> at one point at or, one or another, point or another. Yeah. yeah I think right now, uh, because uh, uh, Calgary's restaurant is turning over really fast, you know, only few of them, uh, they, are, they are really strong. There's still small, small restaurants. I have a couple of them. Yes. Long-term fans. We, we, we play together. We work together. You know that. And they still survive. They're still working. Uh, <laughs> they, yeah. you know, and then uh, a lot of them is already... Mm-hmm. With some other people, yeah, uh, they all retired. You know, no, nobody like me, seven years old, still mm-hmm. working. It makes me a little sad too because I often <laughs> wonder what future Chinatown will look like in terms of like the food 
and the restaurant scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something I, I get concerned about a little bit, right? Because yep. there were uh, an age where new new Canadian families come yes. and they came with a trade, Yes. right? Or they learned a trade before coming here. Like he learned how to mm. make noodles to come here so that he knew he could potentially have something that would make him a living. So some people come as bakers and all that kind of thing. Mm. The new set of immigrants that come are all knowledge workers. Very intelligent, all that kind of really great stuff, right? Like, but, you know, like online sales and, you know, yes. they're like all very corporate. Yes. And you don't have the artisans as many of them. You don't have people that are doing those same jobs. I mean, it's interesting. I was wa- watching a documentary even in Hong Kong. They can't, it's hard for them to have new chefs go into making dim sum. Yes. And they're actually. in Hong Kong. They <laughs> yeah. can't find people to make dim sum. I had just been talking about dim sum not too long ago in a past episode. And, uh, you know, when I compare it to what, you know, fine dining chefs in the West yes. will do, yes. the skill set is very much similar. Mm. The dedication is very much similar. Yet, a lot of people will still associate dim sum with having to be cheap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they don't see it at the same level. Like, you know, when we see somewhere like, you know, like Golden Sand does some really nice dim sum. Yes. And it's all done in-house. They do special. They make different color wrappers, truffles. Yes. Yet people, some say, oh, it's overpriced. And it just kind of frustrates me sometimes because... (laughs) To know well, that, yeah, like a lot of these guys in Hong Kong or wherever will learn dim sum. They have to go to special school, right? Yeah. And they'll train and as also, apprentices also, for years. Yes. For years. And also, right now in Hong Kong, the problem is, uh, for example, dim sum menu have 20 different dim sum. Oh. Okay, 16 of them can be made by the factory. Mm. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they own manufacturing by the factory and then... You know, step by apportioning, step by step, mm-hmm. to sell to them, and then they no need to hire anybody to as a dim sum chef. Right. So that's the problem. So it loses that oh. human touch, mm. right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That charm. So, yeah, that's the change. But this, I don't know that AI <laughs> right now. You know, make a lot <laughs> of things change. Eh? You know. Yeah. Yeah, and also you know the. Um, as I, as as when I come in here, uh, the labor uh, per hour mm. is not as expensive as now right now. Yes. Though we are very hard to catch up with with the labor right oh. now. You know, it's it's something. So if you you will see, you know, something involved in uh, labor's job, mm-hmm. the price will be keep going up in the future. Yeah. Not less people to doing that. I think, to pay more I think a lot of people who are expect to eat out will, uh-huh. should expect that, uh-huh. definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it is very hard to, you know, run any kind of food business, no yes. matter what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. You know, if you're making noodles or making, you know, <laughs> dishes in a restaurant, like, yeah. uh-huh. margins are super thin. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know, coming back to there's just this perception that Asian food should be cheap. Yes. It's something that we... They're, like for years we were so frustrated because we're like okay you use flour to make pasta mm-hmm. flour water maybe a bit of you know like a bit of salt and whatever 
and you use this very similar ingredients to make noodles. Yeah. Why is it that people expect a bowl of noodles to be half the price, if not less, than a, a bowl of pasta? Yeah. Right? Well, that, that's one of the similarities that, you know, the, the comparison that always comes up is like pasta compared to, you yes. know, noodles or yeah. chow mein or, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Yeah. They, they have the same. It's the exactly same the processing. same. <laughs> In so fact, the Chinese version is probably older. Yeah, in history, the first yes. recorded instance of noodles, of noodles is from China. Exactly. And the rumor is is that it traveled to uh, Italy via Marco Polo. Marco Polo, yeah. And then even Japanese ramen, it used to be called ramen sina. Yeah. In Japan. What was really cool about Japan, though, is that like they really took ownership of the recipes and the soups and everything like that and regionalized Much like a lot of cuisine that comes their way. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, it's really cool. So they seem to take it, they refine it, and then it's distinctively theirs. Mm-hmm. Like even like spaghetti, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Napolitan is like oh. very much like a Japanese, but it is, you know, inspired by, of course, Italian pasta. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's like a ketchup kind of, <laughs> yes. you know? Ketchup Tabasco. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I guess what my next question would be, like, in terms of challenges, because we're we're talking about a lot of those kind of things that frustrate us now. Were those kind of the same sort of things that were the same things that bothered you back when you started? Like, what kind of challenges did you face as an immigrant? On the uh, past few few years after the... Like, when you started... How to how to how to find the right recipe? That's a challenge mm-hmm. all the time. Always, you know, approach a customer is also something. And then I am the one. Not only when I started this business, I'm not only thinking about the Asia. I also try to go in safe way to call up. Yes. You know, I'm the. So I, very I think on. I'm the first one. Yes. To bring those products in, in co-op and safe I At that time, I do a, I still remember me and my wife <laughs> go to do a lot of demonstration. Yes. And also, I still remember I tried to promote my rice noodle as the light speed noodle because they are already cooked. It's fast, really cooked. And then they, they have the rice making. They, they don't have too many, you know, uh, what do you call that? Uh, what do you, uh, something like a, something, healthier? something healthier? A healthy alternative. Yeah, alternative. Yes. You know? oh. So, you know, I, I did a lot of job. I can say, you know, right now a lot of uh, the other competitor is t- take advantage of what I did mm. because the way I promote my, I make the, some simple sauces yes. and then go in just stir-fry and then, and then the, so you already kind of paved the path first. Yes. And then everyone said, let's go see what risk you've been. Yeah, let's go. Okay, and that's the most most important thing. You need to learn how to how to uh, understand understanding better. Yes. Speak better. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, you know how to come communicating better. 
uh, even though you want to find the flower, you need to know how to tell you know <laughs> the salesman what do you want. Yes. Okay. At least they get you something close, yeah. not exactly, but close, right? So you know, make a, a, a lot of this thing. This those are the tough thing to do. To mm. do right? Yeah. Just and to then, communicate the details. Always right. the, yeah. The, for me, you know, maybe nowadays the new immigrant, most of them, the English is pretty good. Mm. Most of them. Okay. So. I think I think the other thing though is that you have pretty thick skin, mm. right? Like, because he came as a young man, and I think you like, have to. You'd have to, yeah. right? Like, he doesn't understand. He'll just even you know in Mandarin, he's like, I'm pretty sure it's how you say it. He'll just say it, <laughs> and then the person will either get it or not. And yeah. if he doesn't, then he'll deal yeah. with it, right? And I think <laughs> that's the biggest thing when yeah. like there's a language barrier. Yeah. It's like, yeah. are you willing to look like? A fool, yeah. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's like, I don't care. I just want to, like, I just need to get what I, we need to get to move forward, right? Yeah. And I I'm kind of like courage. that when I go yeah. to, you know, Cantonese restaurants. Because I'll know <laughs> enough to kind of get by, but then if I look like an idiot, sure, okay, uh-huh. well. that's fine. <laughs> but do you know what I said? <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, if you get the point across, then yeah, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so other than basically like the communicating, getting to know your own customers during the time of your business, what other like unique qualities or techniques have set your noodles apart from others? Uh, it's hard to say because every, you know, all the other, com- my competitor, they have their source to learn the, the technique. Okay. Basically, most of the, most of the uh, 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 people, they learn it all the way from the, Hong Kong, so or from seafood, like yeah. Yeah. yeah, China or something like that, and then the the concept is the same, just just craftsmanship, uh, uh, mm. it's different. Mm-hmm. Or technique, yeah. Yeah, the technique they think they think that way, can can do better ludo, but I might be don't agree. I think if I doing this, can make my ludo better. Plus, uh, on that time, we don't have, uh, we still have some ingredients we can use in Hong Kong, but we cannot use in Canada. So, mm, yeah. you know, it make the discount. Kind of like when you were talking about the wonton That's exactly mean. it, is yeah. the wonton uh, mean. The discount, yeah. the discount of the, the ludo. Mm-hmm. Not like, exactly like, the right. same. Right. But we try our best to make the ludo as close as possible to satisfy. Yeah. You know. So it really still is a matter of using what you have available here. Uh-huh. Like as much as the, the the world has gotten so small in you know, thanks to technology uh-huh. and you be able to get any ingredient essentially, there's still some things that you can't get. Uh-huh. So you still have to kind of make a do, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I think like what sets Ricky apart or like what set our business apart is, um, you know, we, they, we do collaborate really well with customers, right? We talked a little bit about sometimes we have worked with companies to custom make, yes. you know, products that whether it worked better for their operation or they were looking for a certain mouthfeel mm-hmm. that fit with their recipe yeah. the best kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like a lot of, you know, he's really open to communication and open to feedback. Like we were sending out surveys to our customers 
asking mm-hmm. for feedback and oh. you know include mm-hmm. them in our um, like we just reformulated our rice products for example mm-hmm. we included our our customers all the way through hey we just shifted a little bit tell us what you think here like talk to the chefs and they'd give us feedback no this doesn't work this is what happened you know and we'd go back and forth until it was it's really workable right mm-hmm. and I don't know how um, much of that level of communication and detail like some of our competitors can can do because of that scale mm-hmm. right um, and then also Ricky's kind of like he's just tenacious right like <laughs> when we first started making rice noodles he was telling me this yesterday we we weren't as good as a competitor the quality wise it just wasn't the same and but he's like Ricky was like okay as I'm learning how to make this better how else can I compete oh people like fresh mm. so what he did to win the market is the strategy became how do I get to market first? So he'd start work at like 4 a.m., make the noodles to deliver it to literally be first in market, like 8 a.m. at the market. So the aunties that wake up early for grocery shopping get that first. Oh, fresh. <laughs> oh, it's fresh. It feels good. Let's yep. go kind of thing. <laughs> and then over time, as he continued to learn and develop his recipe, he was able to like, okay, I can ease up on that now and go to market at a reasonable time. But that's like, he's very... It's uh, still fairly early though when you when you start production here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's very much like very, like as soon as, you know, what is it, 5.30 you say? Yeah, 5.30. Yeah. Now. Yeah, right now he's, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, it's just to like get the product out to the customers before they start service. Mm-hmm. Primarily. Yeah. Yeah. You know, special... Uh, on the rice product and the flour product, the rice product is uh, pretty tough to to maintain the quality. Yes. Yeah, the reason is uh, the flour is all made in Canada. Mm-hmm. The supply is no problem, very consistency. But the rice product is uh, the problem is uh, we have to use a certain rice mm. to make the product good. Yes. So, you know, some, uh, during the last few years, uh, the world changed a lot. The rice supply is really, mm. really tight. And then we have a, a little bit problem to get the right rice to, to do it for us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then you have to thinking the other way to change it, to make it, uh, you know, a lot only. Sometimes you can make the noodle to the end result is pretty good to put in the mouth, but it's hard for the cook to use it. Right. So, you know, I have to take care of both things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, luckily, you know, I worked hard on on uh, this uh, uh, last half years. I fly back to Asia. I found, you know, something right surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, it will solve my problem <laughs> in the future. You're being so humble. It's way better. So, you had yeah. to source rice all the way from... From Asia. Wow. All, always. I... I uh, I cannot using the the uh, use the state's rice mm-hmm. because the United States have they have a lot of rice, but they are not the right type kind right right. kind of rice for us. But you know right now you know that the war here the war there, and then you know this Africa don't have the rice from from Europe they have the rice from Asia everybody buy the the rice from Asia 
There's no rice. Oh. The mm-hmm. rice is going out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the right kind of rice is gone, you know. So you have to, you know, things, try to find some other way. Yeah, to solve yeah. Solve the problem, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, we, just, as I say, you know, after I finish it, I asked Joanne to put the survey out, asked my customer how you like to use it. How at the end you sell is that you know something. So it's a matter of so, making that product that is a good experience for both the cook and, and the, the customer. customer. And the customer. Yeah. Yeah. The customer. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. Are you seeing a lot of changing kinds of like culinary trends that are making you look at your product lines a lot in terms of uh, what you want to change or have there been changes a lot in the in the forty years, depending on like what kind of things people were doing in kitchens? Mm. Yeah, well, I think, like, at the beginning, right, we talked about the different kind of, like, um, ages of Asian food in Canada. Mm -hmm. So, you know, old school was, like, you started with the chop suey, Mm -hmm. right? And then it became, like, the peaking houses. And then, you know, with, like, and then then now in our later generation, kind of like what you said earlier... Mm. It's we get to share our culture because mm-hmm. of the foundation the people before us built. Yes. So now it's like we get to we get to make ramen and it is a you know um, something we get to collaborate with um, chefs with to do and it's it is an authentic experience right mm-hmm. versus in the perhaps in the kind of chop suey era yeah. it was more. You know, okay, how do I, like, what's going to have you in, like, what do I, how do I change this a little bit mm. to have you want to buy it to mm-hmm. fit your flavor, right? Versus now where we're actually able to, it's actually really cool right now because we're, we've gone, we've developed to a point where, um, oh, because of the 40 years that we have, we get to um, cater to a lot, like a huge variety of palettes and experiences that people want. Mm-hmm. Right there's people that purchase from us that are looking for that chop suey, local neighborhood restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. They want to you know recreate at home. You know I think that's becoming almost like a a nostalgia thing now. It is nostalgic. Yeah. Because you know there's times where I feel you know like I want some sweet and sour pork or just something <laughs> like ginger, really western I crave like that. Ginger or ginger beef. Every beef so yeah. Often. yeah. <laughs> Which is a product of here Calgary, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You probably sold to Silver in too. At one oh, point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we also get to, you know, I think, I don't know, was it seven years ago you created more kind of that raw Shanghai noodle to, yeah. you know, that's more fit for like, um, not fit, but like that's more um, for the northern Chinese palate and mm-hmm. recipes, right? And so that's kind of how we've been able to. Like that's we just keep expanding our product offering. I think yes. is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of words to say. Like mm-hmm. we've expanded our offering because now we're covering this wider range of preferences, and you know. Mm-hmm. Does every change like that like require a lot of in terms of like downstairs, like with equipment or with techniques or anything like that? Like does it? It depends. It really depends on. It's really on. It, it, that's just that's a lot of uh, new different type of new machine coming out but you know they make a, they also you know can make a different different rice uh, rice spaghetti yeah something like that 
Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, and and also you know one of the great idea too, but uh, they are pretty pretty big, and then but the but I I know you know the the law of America right now I don't think I don't think too many too many manufacturers doing that you know uh, maybe one in Vancouver not even in Toronto's on the east side of the mm -hmm. so you know that that's a that's a few thing yeah yeah the rice it's it, interesting <laughs> I mean it draw my eye you know, I'm thinking about yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. I yeah. remember at the one time before Mamakdang, uh -huh. it used to be Tropical Delight. Yes. Uh -huh. And uh, I remember his laksa. Oh. Uh -huh. I would go there every day because we were going to open <laughs> our <laughs> our first location in yeah. the, in the market, mm -hmm. and I wanted to do a laksa. Uh -huh. So I would go there almost every day when uh -huh. I would work, and eat laksa. Yes. Until I learned how to make it. <laughs> and eventually I learned how to make it but yeah it was <laughs> it was like kind of like what you said when you just kind of go over there or you do something and you're just so driven yeah to learn something or to do something so that you can mm -hmm. kind of replicate or hope to replicate it in some mm -hmm. way <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so you see it hasn't changed it really hasn't no yeah <laughs> so I mean you could go to a culinary school and you can learn the basics, but a lot of the things that make you special are the kinds of things that you bring. Uh -huh. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. It's yeah. good. Oh, well, <laughs> and it's I love that you said that because that's actually Ricky and I were talking about yesterday, um, and I was like, okay, so how like what really is part of your success? And one thing he said was like, oh, well, your mom. Because she loves to eat noodles and she has a very, like, sensitive mouth. Like, she yeah. like, eat it and be like, no, it's missing this. Yeah. Or, yeah, add this. And so where he learned how to make it, she was the, like, yeah. or original QA. <laughs> there are actually a lot of people who, like, yeah, they call it a super taster. Mm. Who have that more perception mm -hmm. in terms of, like, their palate. Mm -hmm. And it can either be, like, a curse or it could be really good. <laughs> yes. uh -huh. yeah. Wow. So that was, Cindy was your biggest critic then, I'm guessing, yes. during the whole process. Uh -huh. Yeah. In the early days of your business too, you had a restaurant or you did lunches oh. or... Yeah, Just like both. a simple kind of lunch counter or? <laughs> both. Yeah. So you had yeah. the lunch counter in the 80s. 1997, I'm sorry. <laughs> 1998. 1998? Yeah. Oh, so it was recently as 1998. So it was okay. two, two versions. Okay. So when they first opened the first commercial factory. Yes. On 30th Avenue or whatever. Oh, we're talking about that. One. Yeah. They had... A fast uh, food. A fast food. It was like yes. their lunch, industrial lunch. That's when you had the success perm. Yes. Like, I'm getting Yes. 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 <laughs> On that time, everybody permed their hair. I told you. <laughs> I told everybody. you. <laughs> I still haven't watched that episode. I did go and listen to the book, though, after you told me about it. So just as a, as a note here, um, yeah. Um, 1985. No, they could go on just in the... Yeah. Eddie Huang, in his book... Uh, fresh off the boat talks about the success perm mm -hmm. and that during that era, that era a lot of Asians 
had that hairstyle, yeah. yeah. And the kids, too. <laughs> <laughs> kind of almost like a status symbol of sorts. Something. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Did you have the perm, too? I, I had a perm at one point. I had but naturally I like curly hair. Because it was like the 80s and 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had, you had a perm oh, for oh. a couple. There was like a good no, section of life to, that you permed. I started to perm my hair <laughs> when I was 17. Wow. 17, and then I started 30, 34, 35 years. Wow. So you had it for a while. Wow, years. that's impressive. Yeah. yeah, but you know that's time. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, because uh, most of Asian hair is really hard. Yes, it's, it's hard to. Yeah. But you know, after you perm it every morning. Yeah. Go go on to work. <laughs> that's a convenience too, eh? And then not look looking pretty good, eh? Yeah. You don't need to take care too much on on that. Yeah. That's the reason why, and also at that time, <laughs> a lot of people have a long hair. Yeah. All the way when I was young, you know, just all, all everybody like Beatles, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like the Beatles. So My good. son has really long hair now too. But yeah, when him and him and Cindy were at that original location, uh-huh. the day was like him and grandpa yeah. get to the shop, produce while my mom like handled me and my older brother. Yes. We might go down for a nap and then sh- the produced noodles would come out and my mom would hand pack all of it, sometimes while carrying a baby. Like, So where you know? did you have time to run a lunch counter then? Well, when, <laughs> as she's packaging, Ricky's packing up the truck and when packaging is done, she'll go and take some of the cooked noodles and like go to the walk and cook it. So she was also a chef. Are you kidding? To make yeah. the food. Wow. And then put it in the counter and then Ricky would serve like the folks that but came in at in, lunch, walk in, $1.25 chow mein. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that on yeah. that time. And then so once, it was all like food dishes that featured the noodles? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, chow, uh, rice, stir fried rice, yes. noodles. Uh, my wife can make some spring roll uh-huh. and uh, can, can cook a couple of different style of soup, just like a cream soup or, yeah. you know, some uh, vegetable soup. You know, mm-hmm. serving something like Did you do like, like a wonton soup at the time? Or? Did you do wonton soup? Veggie or something, wonton or something like that, yeah. yeah. So very simple, just to kind of... And what was the purpose like that? Just to promote the, no, the products no, no, no. or no, just not, to not, make not some money? On that start the business, not enough business. To keep open. To yeah. Keep open. Keep, keep, keep <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's it's crazy. like, oh, another source of income we could use for now yeah. until we figure out the other part, right? And they did that for years. They tried, so, oh my gosh, the number of different things they did is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Did you do sumay too or just No, stick no, she but we did wontons and dumplings. Oh, and like a barbecue, like. Oh, yes. So that like was when we had, that was the restaurant era. Oh, okay. That was the restaurant era. We had a, he had a restaurant on Center Street. Uh, right now, you, you know the Lander supermarket? Yeah. Where Sons is right now. Seriously? Yeah. It was a exactly big pink building way. in the 90s. They yes. Chicken, right? So we yeah. were the restaurant in that big pink building. Wow. Okay. There was a barbecue. Was it yeah, called Hung's too? It was called Hung's. Yeah. yeah. A barbecue of fun. Yeah. And then all... You know, serve all my noodles. So you know how to make congee siumay, 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 yes, yeah. So you can do like the siuyok and char yes. siu. No, just just hire somebody to do it for me. Oh, yeah. hire somebody to do it. But yeah, you yeah. know, but you have all that. My family, yes. 
my mom's, you know, my my mom's brother, my uncle, mm-hmm. he's the he's a great barbecue chef. Really? Okay. Yeah, you know, I when I was young, yeah, like that, you know, those, those barbecue pig. Yes. Uh, on one of the festival, he he can you know do it, two hundred pig per day. Oh. All done. Wow. So you know we. <laughs> I, I know I understanding a lot of the how to have a good barbecue. Mm. What what kind of ingredient they put in there? How can you know make the good barbecue? Maybe I, I should ask you then, Ricky. <laughs> if you pick uh, three of the best places in Calgary for barbecue, where would they be? Oh, be your best right now. Okay. Sancho, Sans Barbecue? Sons, oh, yeah. On, on Sanders? Yes, I was just there. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and the other one, the famous Ludo? Yeah. Yeah, famous Ludo? <laughs> okay. And the third one, or maybe the one, I don't know if they still available or not in Chinatown. Uh, in Chinatown, Second Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite side of the... Of this, uh, City Pasa. I think they're gone. Which one? Wise? Am I a Wai Gay again? Yeah, yeah, Wai Gay. Are they still around? Wai Gay. Are they still around? Yeah. I feel uh, like they're gone, Dad. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the three places. I know famous, know. yeah. Yeah, but you know, Wai like you know, Chinatown right now is no, nobody. It's Chinatown really is, yeah, it's taken a different kind of uh, life of its own now. It's... There was a time when there was a lot of kind of gentrified businesses going in too, but mm-hmm. they didn't last long. 1997, if you ask where's the best barbecue, mm. I can tell you. Yeah. Hans Ludo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confident. Yeah, yeah. She was eight years old. Yes. No, I was, the, not, I was 12. Were you 12? 12? I was 12. When, 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 uh, when uh, the Chinese New Year festival, she... Handling the cash, you know, cash. <laughs> I have to yeah. stand there. I have to stand on a chair to eight reach hour, the cash register. Eight hour. Eight hour. Yeah. No. It was five dollars and fifty cents for half a soy sauce chicken yeah. and six twenty-five for half a duck. Wow. That, I'll always remember is, that. It's expensive. It's expensive. And that was expensive. Yeah, that was expensive. That time. It's expensive. Did you do yeah, the lunch we, box we are, with rice? Are, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We, we sell the most expensive barbecue at that time. Oh yeah. wow. <laughs> but very good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's one of his philosophies is like, you know, in 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 our, I don't know, as Asians, it's it's oftentimes about price, 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 price. Right? Mm-hmm. And a long time ago, he decided to stop playing that game because no one wants to race to the bottom. He he says like how do like, well people will, I don't know how to say it in English, but like. People will support you if you give them good things, right? And so, you know, even when he ran the barbecue, Mm -hmm. he like, okay, what is, how do I make this soy sauce chicken? What do I need to put in it that's different so that it is the best and I can charge that like better price, like a better price for it because I am giving, I can be proud of the good food that Mm -hmm. I'm giving people. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, if you look at us, even in the market today, where one, like our products are more expensive than our competitors. And it's because we're willing to invest in 
how do we okay, like what well, I'm not gonna differentiate in price. I'm gonna differentiate in quality. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're we go so deep in in our process to develop the products. Mm-hmm. Is because we want it to be about the experience, the quality, and all that, and not just this economic, like the cheapest thing wins. You know. Yeah, and I think this is one of the first things I noticed at the re- or at our restaurant with with your noodles was that even before. I was started working in there when they just opened and mm-hmm. I went in to have a ramen to try how their ramen was compared to ours. The one thing I did notice was that the noodles stood out definitely because of the fact that they held such a good texture mm-hmm. despite being in a stock. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it is even though if you will say, let's say you left it in there for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, which is unheard of in Japan. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it still kind of keeps its texture, mm-hmm. which and it has a sort of nice tooth and a grain to it that, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's speckled, so it's almost like a whole grain. I don't know. I don't want to tell secrets or anything, yeah. but <laughs> it's a really good noodle. So yeah. I give you that. Like, yeah. is it different from a lot of the formulation for, that you've done for ramen, or do you do a lot of ramen? Um, we do. So we have three different kinds of ramen that we make. Right, one oh. is the one that we supply to you, which yes. is an eggless one, right? Yeah. We have a basic one that's, you know, pretty popular. And then we have uh, the premium we yeah. launched about two years ago now. I don't know. I think at this point, we have we have some really steady shops that continue to, like, order from us and everything like that. And um, it's gaining kind of, um, it's gaining speed in, in the consumer side as well. So, yeah, in terms of, like, how much ramen, I think it's, like, maybe 10 Ten percent of our business right now. Do you do a, a consumer version of the ramen noodles? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, we do. Like yeah. pre-portioned. Pre-portioned, like there's like, uh, three little portion uh, noodle portions in okay. a pound. Kind of like Sun mm-hmm. does, yeah. Mm. Sun, yeah. Suns has the two, and they do a frozen or a fresh, kind yeah. of with the soup, right? Yeah, they do one with a soup as well. Did mm-hmm. you ever look at doing something like that as well? Or? Yeah, that's actually something yeah? that we are looking into. Really? Yeah, that's, that's the whole convenience about. conversation. Yeah, because right? I can see that definitely being like a, the frozen ramen products are, are very popular yeah. now, getting mm-hmm. more popular for sure. Mm-hmm. And Sons is, I know, one of the yeah. the more, I guess, the leaders in, in, in that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that'd be interesting to see for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Chinese New Year's coming. February 10th. Yes. Is there any sort of family traditions that you have for Chinese New Year? Uh, well, first of all, you clean everything. Yes. <laughs> right? Everything has to be spotless. Um, we buy uh, red undergarments. That's another weird little family tradition <laughs> to wear for the New Year's. Okay. All the lucky, and then like we hang lucky, a lot of lucky things, yeah. right? Lucky wording. Yeah. Uh, Lucky yes. face everywhere, you know. The, yeah. Uh, hopefully the coming years, uh, you know, can make more money, more healthy, everybody. Uh, you know, something like that. Yeah. It's Chunyan, it's what it's called, uh, right? Uh-huh. Chun Oh, you're talking Fai-chun. about Fai Chun. Oh, Fai Chun. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Fai Chun. When yeah. you write on the red yes. paper. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I used to have a... A cook in my old restaurant mm-hmm. who was from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And then during New Year, he would make them 
and oh, put them wow. all over yeah, the booth. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We just buy them. Yeah. You buy them? Yeah. I buy them. And then, like, my mom has a lot yeah. of flowers around the house. Uh-huh. But in terms of food, it's, like, and then huge dinners. Happy other thing, just dinner, just, like, Christmas. Yes. You know, we, have, we, we, we the whole family sit together, have our uh, New Year's Eve mm-hmm. you know, dinner. Just, you know, uh, and also... Uh, the just uh, greeting everybody together before the next day you're greeting with the other people mm. but that night you know you sit together hopefully next yeah. year you grow bigger you grow you your study is growing you know you still get lycy 100 miles or something like that <laughs> yeah. lycy for life man yeah, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and, then, and then the, the lucky money yeah for, 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 you know from the and uh, you know that's that's something is uh, a lot of fun and you know we we enjoy it we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So uh, also you know uh, in the most of the Chinese on uh, in China um, the New Year's they they making dumpling. Mm. They making mm-hmm. dumpling because mm-hmm. they look like little Chinese like they look like golden yeah. gods. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the like like the money golden. <laughs> like the money, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know they get it. Uh, some some even put. A, a coin inside. Uh, a coin, yeah. For you know, one one big bowl have a couple of coin inside, and then you, you you're lucky one to eat that one. Oh, next year I make money. <laughs> if you don't Something break like, a tooth, if you don't or break a tooth, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't be too aggressive with that. Yeah, a lot of fun on doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. But it, it just ends up being like a lot of. Food, uh-huh. I think over like the fifteen days, right? I like think that's definitely celebrate. one of the traditions that yeah. like we would do too. Yeah. Is just mostly the eating part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the getting together and eating part, yeah. <laughs> definitely. And also uh, on on the New Year, yeah, Yimin is one of the uh, those Yimin, the one. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one of our big seller too, ah. because you know they they it means lucky, eh? Yes. And then they a lot of uh a company just like us, you know, we will have a, a banquet with, with the, uh, all our employees and then we will serve the yimin, you know. Yeah. Make everybody ate it and then uh, good luck for the years. Yeah. So yi in Chinese actually means something close to everlasting, mm. right? Okay. And so, you know, it speaks to a lot of like whether it's long life mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing, right? So... I mean, I told you earlier, the texture of the yimin is so soft, so they call it a senior's noodle or a lo- longevity noodle mm. because it's of its texture, right? Mm. So, and then it's one of those things, they, like, they're very, very long strands. You don't, you only cut them if you're like about to serve, like you're serving at the table or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like those little things, right? Yeah. That have like meaning to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my last question would be, for actually any either of you so with over with the 40 years that you've had experience in this business what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that are just starting out in in something like this whether you're immigrant family or or otherwise to establish themselves in in this industry in the food industry as a new, new immigrant the first thing i think is how you meld yourself in you know 
the Canadian big family. Mm. You know, the culture-wise. Would you say it's easier now than it used to be? Now it's the, you know, yeah. And and then uh, you better know, if you start the foot business, you better have your own skill. Mm. You'd have to own it. Mm. If not, if you don't own it, don't do it. Because it's hard. Mm. Okay? So, you know, that means if you don't want you want to, you, you want to do a business like a business, you need to know how to do a business technique or, you know, your skill. Not, you cannot really rely on too much of the people to help you because Lao day is even harder than the olden day. The olden day, the pe- uh, uh, most of immigrants, they come in here, they don't have too much uh, uh, knowledge, no go-to-school knowledge. Mm. They, they're willing to do you know, mm. those hard work. But today, you, you will find it's harder and harder to find the people to come in the industry mm. or whatever. You know, if you know, then you can handle it. You can train the people, the reliable people to help you. If they have problem, you still can get their business going. If not, I think, you know, it shouldn't be a good idea to start, you know, something, you know, the business night, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Um, to summarize, because <laughs> we talked about it yesterday, um, mm-hmm. after I think some of the key things that, I got from Ricky sharing with me is that, you know, as a business owner or entrepreneur, it's really important to be adaptable and willing to learn and improve, right? You talked earlier about being in the food, like being in any business, always being willing to like be humble and learn and improve. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of it is that like, I think a lot of Ricky's success is built on understanding the customer and being and being in communication and conversation with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just said, like, knowing your craft. Yes. Right? <clears throat> he's very clear on what he's good at and what he's not very good at. Yes. So, like, knowing your strengths and building on those, right? And then, like, where where are your weaknesses and how yes. do you how do you make up for that? What, what I think that, like, like I've, I've always said that, yeah, nothing will show you more or faster. Yeah. Uh-huh of what you're good at or what you're not good at than being in a business. Oh, absolutely. I've learned (laughs) so much about what I'm not good at in the last two years. And it's been a really great, like it's a, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not, it's not, it's like, you know, um, being able to know yourself is such a huge gift. Right. Yeah. And then one thing Ricky and my mom has always done as business owners that I thought, um, comparatively has them be happier is that they've always had hobbies. They had, like, they made sure they had time to enjoy life yeah. and not make it all about work. <laughs> oh, good. So balance, for sure. Balance, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, oh, that's, that's great. Important. Yeah. Always after the relaxation, you come back, you always see something, then you have a more idea. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. Up, you know, not only not only tactical wise, you know, uh, maybe how you deal with your employee, you know, so many yeah. things. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. It'll make you make you you know improve yourself. You know, He'll we come. have to improve your uh, yourself every day. 
right now, you know. Yeah, if not, you can survive me. That's great advice, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and to answer your question earlier about like being an immigrant and starting a business and if it's easier to integrate into society now mm -hmm. versus before, I think it really depends on the individual. Yeah. Right? Because um, I think I feel like communities now are bigger, more, mm -hmm. right? There's more, um, it's easier to kind of hide in your corner in of a community, right? Like if you're a Chinese immigrant, you can find your Chinese community and you might not ever really have to step out, right? You can easily now stream Chinese TV, stream Chinese news. Mm -hmm. Like you <laughs> never have to really step out here, right? Mm -hmm. But Ricky, one thing he did was like, even though there was Chinese news and radio stations mm -hmm. back in the day, he forced himself to listen to English radio and mm -hmm. watch English news to learn the language and to understand what's happening in the like around him mm -hmm. to integrate into the community. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's easier or harder nowadays. I feel like it, it just depends on how to like. There's how more distractions the these is. days There's for sure. Way more distractions. Yeah. And, well, and it's and it's you know now we can because of the availability of so many Asian goods and everything like that, there's like, it's, again, it's kind of like, maybe it is yeah, yeah. a bit, it mm -hmm. takes some intention to get yeah. yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Oh right? yeah. Outside of mm -hmm. the familiar. Yeah. And uh, also, also uh, in my mind, when I do doing the food business, I'm always thinking about to make the good safety product for my client. Yes. That is my very focus on doing that. I learned a lot, you know, from the really loose, you know, don't thinking about too much cleaning every day, finish and then go home. And the next day, and then right now, you know, time by time we change, I change myself, I make my, my employee change, Right now, finally, I'm so happy. Last couple of years, we are we are the food safety premises. Mm. I'm so glad, you know. I guess. beyond Alberta yeah. Health, right? Mm. Like yes. this is like an international kind yes. of level. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is a pretty high standard. Yes, There's good good manufacturing practice plan in here. I'm so happy with that because. Uh, Especially, you know, you see the COVID nineteen, the mm. you know, every you see the spread out the disease and everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for safety, is something. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always in my mind. Yeah, that's incredible. It, yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so thank you so much, both oh, of you, welcome. for talking to me today. Yeah, I'm happy to. We've talked about a lot in terms of like you know starting a business and coming to a new country and mm. all that history and it's yeah i i hope that uh, a lot of people can take something away from this definitely and uh yeah so thank you very much thank you thank you yeah. all right now i've been talking to joanne about being on the show since november so i'm really happy that we timed this with chinese new year and I think that Ricky's story is a great example of how one can work hard, be tenacious and resilient when faced with challenges, seek and respond to opportunity and adapt to change. I mean, the work he went through to prepare to come to Canada is incredible. Learning a craft, learning a new language, and then, you know, 
coming to Canada and working at Food City while crafting a noodle and making it perfect and being able to go out there when you're learning a new language to talk to restaurants and get to know customers. And then, of course, you know, running the lunch counter, just Cindy's <laughs> working with babies and packaging noodles and cooking the lunches, you know, all before delivering to restaurants is, you know, incredible. And like I said, we owe a lot of the luxuries that we have as creatives today, like as cooks and interpreting our culture and cuisines. We owe it to uh, today on foundations built by people like him. So again, thank you, Ricky. One of the things that I noticed about uh, talking to Ricky was his eternal optimism. And when he talked about coming to Canada and integrating into a new society, he didn't say things like, you know, assimilate. He didn't say, you know, integrate. He said, meld into the Canadian big family, which I think says something about him as a person. So that being said, thank you for listening. I uh, will leave the, all the links to everyone that I talked about today in the show notes. And next week, we will talk more about Lunar New Year as we get close to the big day, including a spotlight on Asian restaurants, in addition to some cool stories in history. So as always, if you like this episode, please rate, subscribe, and share with your friends. And if you have any comments or suggestions, please let me know via DM or email me at uh, j at theaimlesscookpodcast.com. So be kind to one another, stay hungry, and we'll see you on the next one. My name is Jade Coro, and you are listening to the Aimless Cook Podcast. Peace. Mm-hmm.